If someone starts having like a breakout. Yeah, like drama <laughs> ambience. <laughs> Hello friends, and welcome to episode 14 of So Poetry. Um, I'm currently sitting in the Bun Shop, which is a really neat, almost all-night uh, cafe hangout spot in uh, the, the northern part of the city of Baltimore. Um, so if you're ever around this area really, really, really late at night and need something to do, you go to the Bun Shop. Yeah, and um, you can also go to the Drink Ray. Where's that? Like right down the street. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so I'm sitting here with uh, poet Steven Zerantz. Um, Hola. Would you like to talk about yourself a little bit? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, I've lived here for about five years in Mount Vernon, which is still the gayberhood. I don't care what anyone says. But yeah, so I just came out with a chat book um, called Caligula's Playhouse. Uh, Mason Jar Press published it. They're great guys, Mike and Ian. And um, I got my MFA from American University in like 2012. So yeah, I mean, I think that's everything. Sorry, I'm writing down things to throw up in the on the description. Yeah, does this get edited? Very, very lightly. Um, yeah. Primarily because I want it to be as close to the actual conversation, like the experience sure. of, like if somebody was sitting down next to us. Yeah. Also, I'm kind of lazy and not very good at like yeah. audio editing. I mean, I was afraid you were going to edit me like reality TV, make me like a villain or something. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I am I am not nearly skilled enough to pull something like that off. Um, That'll be fun though. So, you got your MFA 2012. Yes. What... Um, what attracted you to George, no, American? American, American, yeah. Well, like, in my stupid head, I thought that I would be, like, working somehow with Andrew Holleran, who's, like, a, a really, I don't know, influential writer for me. Dancer of the Dance is a great, is a great novel, um, and... But, you know, he does fiction. I don't do fiction. I can't write a plot. Uh, it's just not how my brain works. Um, so yeah, I went, I went to AU for Andrew. I only met him once. I shook his hand. It was great. Totally worth the experience. <laughs> totally um, worth like 80K. Oh. It's great. <laughs> um, have you had any desires to continue schooling on like PhD or anything? Or? I'm schooled out. Like I can't do it. If somebody would ask me to write a paper or something now, I would just tell them to fuck off. I can't, I can't be bothered. You know, I've been thinking of like law school and then I'm like, oh, I can't really? do it. I like, I literally can't do it. I work in a legal department. Uh, and so like, I have the chance to go, uh -huh. you know, they pay for it, but I just can't do it. I can't be. I can't be arsed to to write a paper or like study anymore. I'm I'm over it. Yeah. I can't do it. Hmm. Did you go to grad school? Yes. Yeah. I graduated um, from UB's MFA program. Yeah. Aren't you like papered out and stuff like that? Well, I mean, we really didn't have to write a whole lot of 
You didn't have to do like seminars and like for literature or anything? Oh, you're lucky. See, I had to do all that. It was like doing the English major all over again. Oh, yeah. You know. For us, it was, it was essentially just like, I mean, we had to write responses and things. Um, and oh, but keep, those are fine. You can bullshit right, yeah, that. Yeah, but it was it was more um, more focused on just the generation of work. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And like we had, there were some electives. Um, there was like a pedagogy class and some other mm. things where if you were interested in becoming a teacher um, or getting oh your, yeah, I did that. That was a mistake. I think we had like a magazine writing class and I think like a maybe a journalism class. Yeah, we had like literary journalism. That was fun. Yeah. I interviewed a drag queen. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I've that was that was one of the things that I was really glad with UB about that there wasn't any like none of the the English like the like the English lit yeah requirements. It's just like we're gonna we're gonna get your writing better and give you opportunities to like make books and yeah like explore. See that I like that about the program. Yeah, you know I know a lot of writers that have come from it. And that sounds like a really rewarding aspect yeah. that I didn't really get, you know, mm -hmm. in my MFA. Because we were, like, doing seminar classes with, like, the MA students, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I feel like that's it's tough to find programs that actually fit. Like, if you're going, if you're going somewhere for creative writing. Yeah. That is just solely creative writing and not any of the extra, like... The, the extra shit. Yeah, because like I, I feel like people who are one of the things that attract them to creative writing is the kind of um, the deficit of having to do all these other things that like yeah. you, you would either you wouldn't necessarily have to write a paper. It's like you would have to think critically about these things, but it would be more of like class discussion or yeah. I'd rather give a presentation than a right, paper yeah. nowadays. Like or, let me just go up there and talk. Yeah, or like write a poem in response to this, learning the things. Yeah. That you, so you're actually like. Using the using your skills and the things that you picked mm -hmm. up, but with your craft and the thing that you're actually in school to learn. Yeah. I mean, I kind of miss it. I do love a workshop. It is fun. It gets dramatic, especially when you find your like workshop nemesis. Oh, I don't think I ever. I don't think I had one. Really? Yeah. Well, was was AU like the program? Did you feel like it was competitive, or? No, but I'm just a really competitive person, so okay. I, like, turn it into that. Gotcha. Um, I mean, never, like, directly. It's all, it's all mental, you know. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, my program wasn't, like, I feel like a lot of people were in my program for, like, therapy, which okay. I found. You know, they're not even writing. Oh, they're, okay. You know, out of, huh. out of the program. I feel like it was the time for them to, like, write down their life experiences or something. I don't yeah. know. They weren't, like, they weren't concerned with publishing. Okay. Which, like, I don't know, my program tried to, like, shift in that direction towards the end, like, having meetings being, like, we need to submit, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So it's just got, it's something that, like, either writers do or they don't. I mean, people get satisfaction out of writing in different ways. Yeah. I've, I like the, the, you know this shit show of submitting a poem to 30 journals and getting the rejections, you know? So that's that was actually one of the questions that nice little segue into. So, like, you're... You are in the whole, like, submit to journals and... Oh, yeah, like, I'm publisher parish baby. Okay. 
I like to drop like new singles. That's okay. what I call my poems. They're singles. The manuscript is the album. You know. And the chapbook would be like the EP. Yeah, that's my EP. Okay. It's my debut a- EP. You know. <laughs> the full length debut is coming soon, or I'm gonna drop another EP. You know. I think that poets should should treat it like we're pop stars because you know I think that poets are celebrities. We should regain that, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's um, some some other poets that I would like to have on the podcast that are more like well-known yeah. poets, and I'm using well-known in finger quotes, um, <laughs> because like I was joking with some of my friends when I was talking about it that even like a big-name poet is still like big-name in the poetry circle, but it's a relatively small. Yeah, circle. I feel like we should step it up. Yeah. So I guess like what. What would you feel is specifically like the poet's role in um... and, and doing anything? I don't know. Be interesting and have something to say. Okay. I think that's most important. Otherwise, like I'm asleep. You know. Would you? Do you think that? I mean, I guess you could extrapolate this out towards artists in general. But do you feel like um, like poets or artists have a like a responsibility? to be to notice certain things or to comment on certain things or to be like to position themselves in certain places in like social or political sure yeah I mean like I'm not a political poet at all you know I was thinking of writing in some kind of response to Orlando or something like that as a gay as a gay poet but you know I don't know it dates the work and so I like personally don't like it but you know I Everyone's, they're all different types of poets, and so, or all different types of artists, so I mean, you know, you don't expect, like, Katy Perry to be political, you know, you don't, like, you don't expect that shit, I mean, you know, she did perform at the DNC, but, I mean, she's not really doing Yeah. she's bubblegum, so it's okay to, like, I don't know, it's okay to just be yourself, I think, so if you are really on that social justice warrior tip, like, knock yourself out with the political poems. That's how I feel. Okay. But you don't, you don't, you wouldn't say that it's... It's, like, necessary? No. Okay. I don't think so. That's, like, I don't know, that's forcing people to do, you know, that's compromising your artistic integrity. Okay. So just, just be yourself and wherever that takes you is... Yeah. Okay. And just make it good and make it interesting. I... I think I agree. I, I go back and forth between thinking that artists have some sort of larger responsibility. Like a moral responsibility to do Yeah, because yeah. typically, I mean, regardless of what the artist, like what medium they, they work in, I feel like artists are the ones usually who take the time to notice stuff. Sure. Um, and I feel like with maybe not... Um, you're not a moral obligation, but there's like if you, like the uh, like the MTA slogan, if you see something, say something. Yeah. The idea that it's like if you if you notice things, um, which I guess being true to yourself would wind up in your work. It winds anyway. up in there anyway. Yeah. You know, it's not, not saying that I'm not a political poet. It might be wrong because you know I I do tackle some like, you know, things about sex and religion, you know, and and gayness in general. But that it's, I you do, don't, but you it's don't, not. It's not okay. like I'm writing a poem like this is this reason hashtag blah. You right. know. Yeah. I think that's kind of trite. Okay. 
right? I mean, just speaking for myself. Yeah. So why, in the big, big scheme of things, why poetry for you? I don't know. I, I, for me, it like kind of is a way that I can like confess my dirty little secrets. Okay. And you know, it's just the way I think. I think in kind of, I don't know. My my poetry is pretty lyrical, you know. So I, you know, I I enjoy the music and I enjoy like kind of making songs. Okay. If that makes sense. And you said earlier that you don't you don't do fiction because. I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm not very concerned with plot or telling a story. It's not, you know, I'm more of into a feeling and, like, kind of, like, making dramatic monologues. Okay. Very theatrical. I've, um, would you, so I've been thinking about this, kind of related to, um, like, I, I write poetry because I don't, I don't think I have the mental, um, perseverance to write things that are longer yeah oh my god you like fiction writers they actually have to write i'm like i'm fucking lazy yeah i'm not i'm not gonna sit down and pound out like i don't know a manuscript in the morning for three hours it's not me and it's not gonna happen so would you would you consider yourself a writer or a poet um i guess a poet even though that has like negative connotations sometimes you know pretentious snobby asshole but no i guess yeah i guess i am I mean, other people call me it. Okay. So, you know, I'm not going to correct them. Well, because I was, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this, that I, I know a lot of friends, um, like writer friends, that do side hustles galore. It's like they're, yeah. they're writing, um, like I have a friend who writes for City Life. Um, yeah. I know some people who write for What Weekly. They do freelance stuff. Mm-hmm. In, like, you know, they're writing articles, they're writing other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I would consider them writers that there's this some sort of this need to do that i mean i i tweet yeah (laughs) but like i'm because i i've had opportunities to to do things um to write other things but oh yeah me too and i'm terrible with it i'm always late and i feel bad like you know and i I, like turn it in by now and i'm like three weeks later i'm turning it in like here here it goes and then as soon as i send it i'm sending like another draft two hours later like oh actually yeah no and I, I, I realize that I don't think that I would consider myself a writer. I think I'm just, I'm a poet. Because there's, there's this, I guess, like I was thinking, or I was feeling that there's this tension that I should be a writer. Because, you know, like all these other poets, they, they teach, they write yeah. articles, they're, you know, like reviews of stuff. And I'm like, I have ideas for some of these things, but I think I resent the amount of time that it would take to actually sit down and, like, do the act Yeah, of me writing. too. I need a personal assistant. So I can just like pace around my apartment and dictate them what to write. It'd be perfect. But no, like poet slash entertainer. Okay. Because I do enjoy doing readings, you know. That's a fun part of it for me. So you are is the reading um, set up like the like your presentation, like presenting your poetry in that um, in that way. Is that an ideal way that you would want other people to? interact with it and experience it or sure i mean i try and make it fun because you know nobody likes a a poet that gets up there and just like reads the title of the poem and then reads it and then pauses and then reads another title and then reads the poem it's awful like it puts me to sleep so i try and like interject some fun into it i do a little bit of poetry with a little bit of stand-up like in between to do like segues i like to talk about current events and you know rip on celebrities 
it's fun. Like, uh, I had a reading at a gallery in Hamden that's now closed, um, Nina's or whatever. And it was really funny because I was reading there with um, a girl that was like very social justice, reading poems about like Gaza and the Middle East. And then I get up there and I'm reading things about Lindsay Lohan and Madonna and like doing, doing my shtick. And afterwards, like the, <laughs> the gallery owner was like, oh, we heard great poetry, like great social, like empowering poetry from, from you know, Kim. And then we had party poetry from Steven. And, it, you know, I was just kind of like, I didn't know how to take that. Like, what a what, shade. That's shade. Mm. Like party. Okay, I get it. But, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to embrace that. Yeah. So, yeah, I do party poetry because, you know what, at least you're having fun. Yeah. And I want to interject a little bit of, of that into work. And I, I feel like it's, it's needed uh, in a reading. Yeah. You know, the way I'd really like people to experience it is, like, have it be, like, a fucking pop show. I would love it. I mean, it's a thing that I'd like... lights and fireworks. Yeah, have, like, a backdrop projection behind me, like, flashing images, like, while I read the poem. I think it would be, like, a really good, like, visual and auditory experience. I mean, I, I like... I mean, I don't want to say this, but I just, like, submitted for a grant, and so maybe... I probably... I fucked myself now uh, that I mentioned it. But, yeah, it's something that I've been trying to, like, thinking of doing. Okay. Yeah, I, I've really been struggling, especially within the last couple of months of, de- of going to readings and actually, and th- th- this is not a knock on any of the readers that I've, I've seen in the last while, um, but struggling to stay like connected and engaged with, with what's going on. Well, yeah, it's hard. Like, sometimes I don't think that poetry like, is better experience when hearing it. I mean, I kind of like it in front of me. So, you know, to read it on the page. Yeah. Well, I think that there's... Uh, I think one, it's kind of personal. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I agree. And I think that there are definitely poets that... I mean, I'm, I'm one of them that... Like, I would much rather somebody read the collection or the book of it instead of um, me get up and speaking. Because it's... Like the, I don't know. There's there's something about the the transfer of poetry, possibly, um, without audibles. It's just like you see the yeah. word and you internalize it instead of having to go through like somebody reads it and they say it and then you hear it and then you have to translate it back into words and to get it's that. It's true. Feeling. Yeah, I need a personal assistant to hold up like a, a a poster board of like the the lines as I read them. Yeah, I've, maybe I've been people will get about, it more. Um, <laughs> printing out like a small um, like a little pamphlet or something for the next reading that I do and, and, and hand it out oh that's so good I'm gonna steal that do consider it. that stolen no do it and it's like I because <laughs> I I think that readings typically or at least the ones that I've gone to that's there's the kind of like traditional feel that pe- people get up and they read and then yeah they yeah, sit yeah. Back down and there's no there's um, there was a projection reading series uh, that was really, really innovative. Where they, they would put a projection up, and then you would, as you were right, as you're like telling your your yeah. story or your work, or whatever, you could either um, pre prepare, like beforehand prepare mm-hmm. slides that you could put up, or you could like draw on the overhead to illustrate or. To, oh, sweet! They're stealing my gig. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I I would much rather somebody. Um, either read along while I'm reading or read the poem like just the poem 
themselves and have it be the because I yeah. like I like to view my poetry as a one-on-one conversation with people and to get up and speak to a bunch of people it's like I can't connect individually with everybody in the room yeah it's while hard I'm to up know. there speaking it's just I'm connecting to them as like a group and maybe one or two people will internalize things that I say whereas true if you're reading it it's like you're in that space with the work mm-hmm. and even though everybody else is in that space with the work each person has their own little individualized force yeah. field of I think that's smart I want to do that do it I think we should all do it I also tend to write really really short poems so I'm up there and I read for like oh yeah two, seen your, two or three minutes I've seen your tweets I and like then, I like that yeah and especially like with haiku I don't feel like you gotta you have to spend time with that yeah you do I've never I've never really tried one you know it's a form I haven't tried I, I can send you to some resources if you're interested yeah. in like, learning about the form. Well, I definitely want to do it. I want to write a gazelle. Ooh. Yeah. You should... You should talk to Anthony Mall. Yeah. Because um, he has... He read at the... Um, um, Double Down at the Crown, mm-hmm. uh, the Sunday of Pride. Oh, gotcha. In um, one of his... One of the poems that he read was a, um, a gazelle that was... Really? How did he call his name out? Uh, what did he do? I don't remember. Even though that was less than a week ago. Yeah. Um, but he would be... He's done some work with some, some form stuff, so he, would, he might be a good yeah. resource to reach out to. And yeah. I know him, but I don't know him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, with small to more in the writing community, it's even more. Yeah, and I'm just like antisocial, so, you know. <laughs> Mike and Ian have been good at dragging me out <laughs> to do readings. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's Mike's forte is getting people to do stuff. Yeah, it's might, great, and I'm like, not. that's what I need. I need like a manager and a personal assistant. I just need someone to, like, you know, be a stage mom and, like, force me to go places. Because I'll do anything that anyone says, you know? Mm-hmm. If someone's like, read here, I'll read there. I'll do anything. I'll yeah. do cartwheels. I don't, I don't give a fuck, you know? So I just need... So if anyone wants to manage me in my career, yeah, Steven's my burgeoning career, Contact let me, me and know. I'll put you in touch with Steven. Yeah. Make it go down in the DM. <laughs> Um, <laughs> do you have um, do you have any like pantheon of poetic influences or any major shifts that's happened in your work over the years? Oh yeah, well definitely. When I was in the MFA, like I kind of got into a rut of writing things that I thought people wanted instead of like writing things like that I actually was interested in. And once I started doing that, I, you know, I started having better luck with publishing and, you know, just had a better time writing. I mean, as a gay writer, you kind of, I feel like I got to a point where I realized no one cares about your coming out story. No one cares about your relationship. No one cares about like your life experiences. So it's up to you to kind of make people care about it or just go off the, the cuff and do something original. And, you know, 
it was definitely a shift where I just started writing about, you know, the weird occult shit that I, that I get down with. And, you know, that made it better because, I mean, yeah, no one cares. So it's better to just be yourself. Yeah. If nobody, if nobody objectively cares, then you might as well do something that you care about. Exactly. Or else you're just writing poems that are trite or they're just like trying to convey some sort of knowledge. There's nothing, there's nothing more I hate than like what I call the Wikipedia poem which someone just describes, like, I don't know, some kind of person or thing, and then just, like, reveals facts about them. But it's not really, like, a poem. It's really just that like, you took Wikipedia and put it in line breaks, you know? That's boring, and that's what I think sometimes that's, like, an MFA-type poem that, that is... you get from, like, a prompt. Uh-huh. And so, like, it, there's no, like, really connection. There's no emotional truth or... Yeah, it's not tied to you. You don't care about it. It's like karaoke singing. You're not really, you know, feeling... Wow. ...the thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I ever would have connected those two, but that made... Yeah, because I've seen... I've definitely encountered um, in, like, poetry or, like, the, the like 2016 Best American yeah. Poets or Poems or whatever that... There are ones that feel like they were milled out from people who have just gotten an MFA. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, you can definitely tell. You can tell the prompt. You're yeah. like, oh, this is this prompt. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. You know. So, yeah, I think it's better to just like I don't know, be inspired and write, not from a prompt. <laughs> so, but have there been? Is there any? Are there any poets that you would? Like your big influences or the ones I love Cavafy. He's a modern Greek poet. How do you spell that? C A V A F Y. He's really great. Um, and I like Anne Sexton as well. Um, she's my homegirl. <laughs> what um, what is it about those two? I mean, among the other ones, but those two specifically that... Kavafi's a really good storyteller, um, and that's what I enjoy. He also has a poem called Waiting for the Barbarians. It's, like, one of my favorite poems ever. And basically, it's about, you know... It's about barbarians being a catalyst for problems. And then, uh, throughout the poem, it, it goes that, you know, it's teasing that the barbarians are coming and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the poem, the barbarians aren't coming, and kind of the last line is like, and what do we do now without the barbarians? Like, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do after, you know, you have a catalyst for your issues, and then that's no longer a thing, and your issues remain? So it's, I don't know. I think Coetier opened his uh, novel Disgrace with a line from it. I don't know. I might be fucking lying. Or he had a book called something. Let me look it up on my phone so I don't sound stupid. <laughs> but, yeah. Mm. Or he, like, titled a book after it. I, I forget. Somebody's going to drag me on Twitter for this. Yeah. Oh, he has a novel. It's a novel by him. Yeah. So. Yeah. So despite not... Um, not wanting to do plot on a long term scale like yeah. condensing it as, as far as a lyric goes is you're, you're on board with that mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, like, I totally forgot what he was even saying. I, like, lapsed. No, no, well, the fact that you said that um, one of the reasons that you like Cavafy is that he's a, um, he's a good storyteller. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, I don't really do in my poetry. Okay, but you can... So I, like, I very him. appreciate him because it, they're very short poems, but they, they pack, like, an emotional intensity. Okay. And they tell, like, a... I don't know, they tell, like, a, a very... I don't know, they could... His poems could fill, like, a novel length in terms of, like... I don't know. The wow. story that they tell. Wow. And so he's just... I don't know, it's very simple, and I, and I enjoy that from him. You know, there's no pretense in his... Yeah. In his poetry. And you... You should definitely check out haiku as, an, as a style. I know. Well, I love Japanese writers. Japanese novelists are, like, my favorite. Kawabata and Murakami. Oh, God. Like, I... Well, Murakami, like, kind of fell off for me after Dark. That was a pot boiler. It was awful. I hated it. Yeah. But then I read Colorless... Blah blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and that was good. That was like a weird little tale. Yeah. It Have you read Kawabata though? Uh, I don't think so. You should read Snow Country. It's like the a novel that I, I recommend to all my friends. It's very good. I mean, he won the Nobel. Ooh. Yeah. So. Um, oh crap! The guy who wrote uh, Buried Giant, or the Buried Giant, and. Oh, there's another pretty well-known Japanese um, novelist, but I cannot remember what his name is. Um, yeah, but I, I have, I have, I think everything that Murakami has written and published in English, or that's, that's yeah, that's written that's been published. In I'm, English. I'm going through IQ84 now. It's the only one I haven't read. Is it good? Yes, but it took me the better part of like a winter and a spring. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna barrel through it in like probably two weeks. I read chapter one and then I just set it down and I was like, mm. Yeah. It. You know how um, one bird chronicles kind of takes you like all over the place. And, well, like, yeah, because you're like reading it and it's like normal pedestrian shit, and then all of a sudden it's like the the girl calls on the phone. It's like I'm gonna suck your dick. You know, it's, it's like comes out of nowhere. Well for like a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imagine that, but multiplied by, I don't know, like, to a power of like maybe five, Great. maybe ten in some places, and that's one Q84. Yeah. I remember reading Norwegian Wood in high school and just being scandalized. Like, that was so good. Have you, I think my favorite novel of his is... Uh, mine's Norwegian Wood. I think mine's Kafka on the Shore. I hated that. Really? I did not like it at all. I hate... I don't like it when there's like two landscapes and he switches back and forth between it. I like can't do so, it. So, um, but I did like I did like um, the hard-boiled. Yeah, I was about to ask. At the end, of, I like I like that one. That was cool. Really? But I just couldn't get down with the calf on the shore. Okay. Have you yeah. ever read um, After the Quake? Like his little like five-story. Oh wait, no, I don't read his short stories. I'm not. I hate. Well, I shouldn't say I hate. I'm not a short story okay. reader. These are, they're, it, it's kind of like a, like a loose, like concept album. Yeah. Because they're all, they all have something 
to do if it's at, even if it's peripherally with the uh, Kobe quake of ninety five gotcha. or something. Yeah. So they all like they all touch that somehow, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of their own their gotcha. own stories. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out. I I had um. It's short. There's only like five or six of them. So yeah, I read that. Blind, blah blah blah, yeah. and the blah blah blah. Yeah. That was. I mean, I don't really remember it, but yeah. But yeah, Murakami for the win. Have you seen the film of Norwegian Wood? No, not yet. Good. Um, it's all right. They do that scene where, like, the crucial scene where she like reveals that she can't get wet. That it's good. Okay. Yeah, I. When I found out that, because uh, I've read Norwegian Wood maybe like two or three times, and when I found out that there was a movie version of it, I kept like the other times, the more subsequent times that I've read it, I've tried to imagine them filming certain scenes, and like I, it feels like this would be really, really difficult to actually get, because so much happens in like the main character's head. Yeah, it's it's difficult, and the movie like suffers for that reason, you know. Yeah. Because in your head, you kind of see it as this like glamorous thing, but like I don't know, college really isn't that glamorous. No. Like when you actually like see it on film, you know, it doesn't. No, it looks grimy and gross, and. Yeah, I imagine it's also difficult to get, like his kind of prototypical. Um, like directionless kind of super passive character and have it be actually engaging on the screen instead of... Yeah, and he's not engaging. He's a wet rag. <laughs> but yeah, I'd check it out. Okay. I feel like thing. you should see it. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, but so I... um No, not, not I. Well... I think that you would really enjoy, like, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Japanese writers in general, and you're yeah. a fan of the ability to, like, condense things, like, a shit ton of information. Into, like, and, like, haiku. Experience. Like, yeah. Yeah. I should just start writing haiku tweets. Do one a week. Yeah. I'm down for that. Isn't it just, like, counting syllables? And oh, it's rain. finally raining. <laughs> so that's, oh, that's... Traditionally, quote unquote, um, in English, mm. haiku is presented as a short three-line poem um, that is five seven five syllables. Yeah. Um, that's as far as like haiku itself goes. It's not actually the case, um, and the only reason I know this is because I've done some research on it, and I can I can expose it at you right now if you would like yeah um so in you know how um in english like iambic pentameter is kind of the like the natural way that people talk like the the, the, the yeah the, yeah the, 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 the. in japanese the grouping of like five seven five um on this so, happens like yeah it's like yeah. that's that's a trait that's unique to japanese gotcha um so to have a line or have a poem constructed in that format, and they for them it's on, which is a not necessarily syllable, but one of their like um, like vocal groupings, which is a mm-hmm. lot shorter than like an English syllable. Yeah, um, that's normal and expected in like in the mm-hmm. language. So it's not 
I mean, it, you sometimes have to, to finesse some things to get it to work, but it's a much, it'd be like writing in, like, speech for English. Gotcha. Um, but there's a bunch of other things that haiku do um, that the syllables are kind of like yeah, the, that least, we can do. the least important aspect of it. And if you have the other, the kind of like the emotional aftertaste and the, mm. um, like the aha moment where you something's like even if it's a small thing it's just like something breaks open you can see deeper into gotcha. something if is you there can, a Japanese term for that? Um, I feel like there has to be yes um, <laughs> I think uh, it's, in, it's in one of my books but I don't remember what it is um, it'll be the word of the day yes um yeah, but that's like if you if you capture that, it's like the kind of the tone and the flavor and the heart of that, um, in a relatively short poem, mm-hmm. you can make the argument that's like that's like that's haiku. Yeah. Um, and I've I've been encountering more and more recently books that are that are like haiku books, and it's not. And it, part of me is like. Yeah, okay, whatever. They can write, like, whoever's writing this can write whatever they want. And another mm. part of me is like, oh, this feels like appropriation instead of actual inspiration of, or, like, imitation of the form. And, yeah. And, like, the perpetuation of these ideas that are not true about this form, but that's... I will hopefully be talking to a haiku poet in my next episode. So oh, I, will, I will air all of these grievances yes. with her. We can be more prepared. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Um, so, do you um, do you do any other art besides poetry, or um, any other medium of art? Yeah, I got, poetry? I got, I, I actually got into college through like painting on a painting scholarship. Oh. You know, because I'm a really bad tester, so my SAT was abysmal. You know, um, so yeah, I, I I enjoy painting. I just don't do it now because I'm really messy. So I need like some kind of like studio to destroy, uh, <laughs> and it's expensive. That's why I like writing. Yeah, I went on a um, I went to a residency in Nebraska last year. Um, How was that? I've never done that. Really, really fun. I'm, gl- I'm glad that Art Farm was my first experience with the residency because you can't get too, in- too much more rustic than yeah. like the middle of a farm in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some of the amenities and stuff were like, we had indoor plumbing, but it was, you know, open spaces in the walls and like nice. a, like a Was it just like you or was it like a colony? No, it was a, uh, there were like six or seven other people while I was there. Gotcha. Um, there was like three or four that were in the building that I was in and then some other ones in some other buildings that were spread yeah. out along the farm. Yeah, I've never done, I've never done like a retreat or anything like that. I it, just don't know if I'd like it. I don't know. Like it was, I, I went into it expecting, like I brought so many books and things like I'm going to, I'm going to read all these things. I would just drink. <laughs> Because, like, it's, it was, I mean, I ended up, I wrote, a, I made it sure that I wrote at least a poem a day. Um, so that was, that's good. that was good. But a lot of the other time was, like, I think that I had been starved for um, connection, like, 
artistic connection, like the stuff that you yeah. get in, in a college program or something. And mm-hmm. To be kind of sequestered with like six other artists, it was really, really cool to like sit down and talk with people and to yeah. find out about them. And, um, but I felt so bad for the visual artists because they had so many things that they had to bring and they had to go buy materials and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Like, I just need a notebook in my computer. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere. If that. Yeah. I write poems on my phone. I don't even have a laptop. Have you done ever done predictive texting or predictive... Um, yeah, like predictive texting poems? Oh, no. A friend of mine has... I don't I think other people have started have done this trend, but you know how, like, if you're typing a text, it will... The phone will give you, like, predictive words or, like... Oh, you, like, yeah, totally. Of, Mine are usually in all in caps because I've been, like, yelling at someone or, you know... But you would you would figure out some sort of pattern like you're always gonna hit the first word or like you'll go like first second third fourth first second third fourth gotcha. and just like see what happens. That's fun. When I can't like get a get a poem out of me, I just put it into a form. Okay. And then I break it out of the form. It just like helps you come up with shit you wouldn't come up with normally. Yeah. You know? So do you typically write in like free blank verse? Like I guess. Un- I mean, un- like. I mean, I don't really think about it. I just kind of write it so that I like it and it sounds hot. And, you know, a lot of the time there are, like, internal rhymes and stuff. So, yeah. But is that. Do you do that stuff intentionally or is that just kind of how it comes it's out? It's just how it comes out. Okay. You know? I like to write to music and so, like. There are a couple of poems I could like tell you what like song I was listening to, and then probably like the poem would probably follow the beat of the song. You that know? would be a really thing, a really interesting thing to do if you had poems that were written to songs. When yeah, you read the them. chamber band. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, def- I think going back a little bit to readings, um, that you really like. There's so much in the process of writing a poem that people typically just get the end result that you just you have yeah like the poem but if you if you wrote something to a song or like to something and people had could have access to that that would I think open up the poem in a way that yeah maybe would only hint or would be implied otherwise mm-hmm. yeah I, I totally think that that would be that would be cool I'll just start revealing it on Twitter I'll be like I wrote this song to this you know I think I wrote a poem to a Kesha song before, which is pretty hilarious. Well, I was, when you were talking about um, people just, like, that, or that you write, or that you've embraced the fact that you write party poems, that yeah. like, at least they're fun, that actually reminded me of Kesha, <laughs> oddly enough. That, that's like, she's um, really talented. And yeah, Kesha Cash. But and not not that she not like to dismiss her that she chooses to write like party club songs, but it's yeah. like she's choosing to write songs about things that's like they're fun and they make her feel good and mm-hmm. it's like she I have a the, um like the five song EP of like the Kesha Destructed deconstructed where it's like really really toned down and like acoustic yeah. stuff and it's the songs take on a much darker and like more morose tone and it's it's crazy to think that these are the actual songs and just like the yeah the difference of the the music or the um the accompaniment of a 
with the same lyrics changes the feel of it and you can really I feel like you can really get it's like oh this is this is a hell of a lot deeper than I thought some deep shit yeah and I think that there's <laughs> kind of like with satire there's a way that you can present things um, that might be more palatable to people but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to detract or like dumb down or yeah. remove any of the things that would like like the weights that would drag people into sort of like oh this is actually about something that's it's like getting me right in the right yeah in the well, I try and write stuff that like on paper and first read you might think it's like extremely sad but it's actually just like extremely dark humor that I like playing with. Yeah. You know, I like I like taking the whole idea of like, I don't know, Anne Sexton's poems are so campy and outrageous that I like to do like, I like to make fun of it. And I like to do like really campy confessional poems that people might think are really, you know, sad and, <laughs> and awful, but the entire time I'm writing it, I'm laughing, yeah. you know? It's just like a fun game, you know, you can fuck with people. Yeah. It's a fun thing to do. And I think that there's... I mean, I know that there is, like, queer poetry written by, like, queer poets. Um, But I definitely think that there's... It's neat to to play around in that space of, like, the queer poetry is stuff that's subversive and more anarchic of what people... Like, going into it with these certain expectations and what you read as a total... Well, yeah, I just want to be bad and blasphemous and slutty. It's like the trifecta I want. <laughs> I, would, I would read an, a chapbook of that. Well, that's my chapbook. Oh, Caligula's Playhouse. Uh, I mean... I will read a chapbook he was, of that. He was my muse, and I had fun with it. It's like a fever chart, the whole book. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... So... How you are um, appreciative of poets of like with Kavafi of like the lyricness and being able to, to like to do the things that you are, they don't typically tend towards mm-hmm. um, really erotic sexual poems poetry and funny poems I love to read because I cannot write them to save my life yeah um, like I'm none of my poems are funny at, there's not one I mean mine are just like I don't know I, I have a poem in my chat book called Apollo and it's um, it's basically Apollo flaying Mars yes alive um, but it's extremely sexual I think it's sexy it's like the sexiest thing I've written so I can't I like I like mixing like gross and disgusting with sex and then just like overwhelming it, I don't know it's fun I like to be a little bad kid in my poems you know I like to be the enfant terrible shock you a little bit yeah which I, I think is if we're going back to like the role of an artist um, like well within the purview of what art is like all the things that art does that's definitely one of the things that art should and can do or can and should do yeah I like just I just like to be a little bit disruptive that's fun to me yeah. you know I don't want to be, I don't want to be vanilla or, you know, something like that. Like, I'm too punk rock for that shit. So, I want to just, you know, go crazy. Um, going back briefly to your other art, have you ever seen any correlation between, 
Or have you experienced any correlation between like your writing and your visual art back when you were painting? Like did one, uh, did well, one... I mean, like my my paintings that I would do are, are kind of very like take a fashion sketch, you know how that kind of yeah. is. It's like that, and then uh, I go over that. I, I wouldn't paint with paint brushes. I just like kind of fill it in, and then on top of it, it, it would be like you know marker spray paint on top of it. So it kind of had this like I don't know poppy graffiti fashion sketch you know kind of sexy so yeah because I, I do a little bit of pop culture in my okay. in my work and I, I'd want it to be I don't know I try and make my my poems like kind of I don't know I, I just want them to be kind of hip and cool and like you know yeah it's a fun thing to do yeah which in and of itself I feel is kind of a subversion of what people typically think of like what poetry, again, quote unquote poetry, is. Yeah. I mean, I just want to write hot shit. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, I won't like sugarcoat it. I hate when writers talk about craft and stuff like that. I'm like, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting around like, oh, this is, this line is brought to me by a deep rumination for fucking two hours. Like, no. Yeah. Like, I just wrote it because it sounds hot, yeah. you know? Speaking of that, do you have a um, particular process, like writing process, that you are multiple ones that you... Yeah, I mean, have? like, my writing process literally is that I just become obsessed with, you know, topics or, or things. I mean, um... I mean, a lot of Caligula's Playhouse, I was obsessed with kind of like, I don't know, the flaying. Okay. Flaying and torture and, you know, and then also Caligula. And, and so I was very deeply rooted in researching him, researching like, I don't know, ancient torture techniques, like very weird, weird yeah. shit. And so I just become obsessed with it. And, you know, like I recently wrote a poem called Gun Porno. And it was about um, Sarah Winchester, of like, you know, the heiress to the Winchester rifle. Yeah. You know, she built that kooky house that had like, she kept building it because she thought spirits were gonna kill her. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was like kind of obsessed with that. So I wrote, I wrote a poem based off of it about guns. You know, they're a pressing topic. So. So yeah, I just kind of get obsessed with things and, you know, and then I take that role and speak as that person. I mean, I don't know if you know any any works by the filmmaker Kenneth Anger. Um, like 70s guy, so. he made like kind of occultish art films. Um, and like his actors, he's like a follower of Aleister Crowley. And, and one of his like things that Aleister Crowley talked about is the dramatic ritual which is, you know, believing that you are something, therefore you become it. And so that's kind of what I, what I do, you okay. know. It's very theatrical, you know, hence the playhouse. You know, I, I, like, to, I like to put on different, different masks and be people and, you know, do, do monologues as them. Yeah, so, you, so your poems are, I guess, like, not necessarily, I mean, they would be persona poems with, like, extended... Yeah, I have, a, I have like a poem in, in my chapbook called On the Casting Couch. And it's me talking from the casting couch. 
So for you, I mean, among other things, but poetry is a, is a means for you to explore and like get in the heads of and become yeah, other people. That's fun. That's wow. fun to me. Or just like talking about weird Fox Mulder shit. Yeah. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm here for. I don't know if I've, like, I mean, especially any of the poem, poets that I've had on the podcast beforehand, um, but any ones that I've talked to, I don't, like, I think you might be the first person that uses poetry as a means of exploring other people. Because yeah. usually po- people write poetry as an exploration of, like, themselves and the stuff yeah like well everyone's like super boring on the inside <laughs> so you know you have to be someone else huh. that's always been like sometimes I don't want to be myself so I'll yeah. just I'll just do something you know it's a fun thing to do and, and it still is yourself right yeah you know you just you just explore parts of your parts of yourself that you wouldn't have yeah you know exposed so yeah it's fun so, writers do. That's a good prompt. And that's, I mean, that's always, I feel like that, I feel like that's always an issue that I've had with Persona poems. Mm-hmm. It's like... Oh, they're the most fun to write. Well, that's, like, I, I think one of the reasons why, on top of just not having, like, the, the stamina to write fiction is the dealing with characters. It's like, I can't... Yeah, and I... I would have to know somebody well enough that I could get inside their head. But there are like there are different ways you can do it. I wrote, yeah. I wrote a poem that was basically I used a word bank from the Zodiac Killer's like letters, like only words that were inside of it, and like charged wow. it. Like it's it's a, it's another way to explore yeah. like a persona. So yeah, it's just wow. a really like fucking dark, you know. I can imagine. Jeez. But yeah, I like doing fun shit like that. That's fun to me. Huh. I mean, we all love true crime. Yeah. Like, I, I really want to write a Jody Arias poem. Do it. Do it. Have, well, for your next collection, it could be just... Like, it's just like, true, true, true crime. Yeah, or like true crime poems. <laughs> I'll release it when I go to the jail. <laughs> but I, like, that's, that's a really neat way of using poetry as like a... Form of escapism that still. Well, you can have. The thing is, you can have fun writing. Yeah. And you can have fun researching things, and and I don't know. I think it's the best way to do it. I have fun when I write. You know, I still don't like. I just still don't like doing it. Right, yeah. But at least I'll make it like. I'll make it a fun kind of fucked up situation. Yeah. That might. I think that that might be a question that I add to my question bank of. You have fun when you write. <laughs> I mean, I have the most fun when I write. I like to write when I get home from the club. Like a good Saturday night at 3 a.m. Yeah. Scrawling. Wow. And then you just wake up and look at it, and you're like, oh, this is fucking garbage. But there might be, like, two or three lines that you can take. Yeah, like, when if you if you write something, like, you wake up from a dream, and you write something, Yeah. I mean, I have some, I have, I have, like, a really fun, intricate poem that I wrote, like, when I came back from the bar one night, and it's actually, like, the center lines are mirrored, so, like, the first line is the last line, and the second line is the second to last line. I actually wrote it in, like, just one, like, swoop. Wow. It's good. It's in my chat book. But I did it. I did it in, like, you know. 
Yeah. There's that drunk power, you know, that you get sometimes. And it's, like, great. Yeah. I mean, some poems are given to us. You don't have to work hard for them. Yeah. I It's, it's weird having... Um, there have definitely been haiku that have just happened to me. It's like, I'd be like, you're walking across. Yeah, it's perfect. And you just pick it up, and you're like, oh, okay, this is. Yeah, I found it. And then there was one, there's one that I wrote, uh, maybe like a week ago. It was one of my more recent ones. Mm-hmm. That took me, on my drive to work, took me like 15 to 20 minutes of my drive to figure out what it was that it actually needed to be. Yeah. Because like, the parts were there, or the image was there, and it was like, Approaching it from the front, realizing it wouldn't work, and then trying other avenues to get in, and then finally having them on, like, oh, okay, this is yeah, this is what that it needs to be. But would you would you prefer to have poems handed to you, or would you prefer to work for them? Have them handed to me? I'm lazy. <laughs> My God, there's nothing worse than a poem like you work on for three months and it's still shitty. That's awful. Yeah, it's the last thing I want to do. So yeah, I'd rather, I mean, sometimes you know, when I know that a poem is going to be work, I'll just keep it in my head and think it through until I can like finally have it to the point where I can sit down and just write it all out. Yeah. And maybe I'll edit it once or twice. So you know. speaking of that, what is, what's your revision process like? Do you, do you tend to I have a not... reader, I have a reader that I send to who's like completely different than me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I send it to her, and she's she's great. Her name's Jenny. She's probably gonna listen to this, but she's like she's like the only one that reads my work. And so I send it to her, and she tells me she tells me the tea, you know. Mm-hmm. She tells me if it sucks, and that's what it, that's what you need, because yeah. a lot of people will sugarcoat you or be like, oh, "That's great," but like you know, it's not. You need that person to be like, "This is shit." Yeah. You know. Which takes a lot of trust to have in another person to know that well it just takes honesty yeah like why lie to somebody yeah but with if she comes back with um like edits or possible revisions like do you do you sit with something for a while and get it to to be sometimes no sometimes when sometimes you're just too close to something and you haven't been able to step away so like Someone can come through and be like, oh, you could, like, this This is clunky here. Like, change this, and then the poem opens up, you know? Yeah. It's some things I don't catch, because I'm not looking for it. Or, yeah. like, you know, I'm too, like, in my shit, so I'm not noticing. Right. You know, I'm not noticing that I'm, like, making things clunky. Because it sounds okay to me. Do you feel like your poems reach a moment of being done and at that point they're just done or are you up like do you constantly revise things even after it's been published or I mean there are some poems I definitely have that are done and then there are other poems that like I just have that I don't really like so I'll steal shit from them you okay. know the best person to steal from is yourself so they're you're okay so they'd be kind of your um like storing up food for the winter. And yeah, I like... sample myself. Okay. You know. Yeah, because sometimes like you have a, like a fire line, but it's in like a, a not like a fire poem. poem yeah. You know, and it's like, eh, well, that one hasn't been published, or it has been published, but like I can take that shit. Right. Yeah. It's mine. Yeah, that was. That was I, one of the most difficult things for me to learn about revision, at least in my own process, is that um, when I, like I. I 
at first I saw it as like a real surgical thing that if, once you get rid of a line, it's gone. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, well, this this line is great or or crappy, and it needs to be out of this poem. In the poem, it's crappy, but it, objectively, it's a good line. But you can just like set it aside yeah. somewhere. Like, sometimes I just scramble it. Yeah. Just scramble like stanzas, and then like sometimes it just works better. Yeah. You know. It's bad to write towards an ending, which I like. I'm guilty of. I like think of a line. And I'm like, that's a fire last line. And I'll try and write a poem like to serve that ending. Yeah. But it's always trite. You should never do that. It's like I don't know how people like think of a title of like a work that they want to do and then just like write towards it. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. So, it just limits you. So for you. So titles would be one of the last things that you would write for a poem? Yeah. For your, um, for your chapbook, when in the process did the, t- did the title show up? Um, I guess like, I guess halfway through. I had always like kind of liked the title, Caligula's Playhouse, you know. It's fun, it's naughty. And I just found out that there's a strip club named it in, like, in Florida. Yeah, it's a great strip club name. So, I don't know, it just came, I just already, I had it in my head. I was, like, tweeting it for a while, just, like, keeping it around in my, in my mental. Yeah. So it kind of just stuck, because I, like, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of, like, ancient Egyptian and Greek and Roman mythology going on in the book. So it felt like an appropriate title, and then, you know. I have like weird childhood poems, so it like kind of like goes like it's like Caligula with a fucked up childhood, and then you see the yeah you know more screwed up things. So it fit the theme of like kind of madness. Yeah, and like the sexy torture stuff too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, so this is a question that I I try to ask, or at least. Once I thought of it, try to ask all my guests. Um, if you have the uh, like the vocabulary or the experience to describe this, what would you say your internal landscape looks like or feels like or is? Hell. <laughs> no, what, I'm kidding. What version? <laughs> oh, oh, God, I don't even know what my internal landscape looks like. That's, I don't know. It's bleak. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, I don't really think like that. Okay. Like, I don't know. You stumped me. <laughs> like, what do you mean exactly? Well, like when I like close my eyes or just try to picture what exists at the core <laughs> of me, um, usually what it what shows up is like a prairie grassland, which is big, big expanse, open space, big sky. Yeah. And like unpopulated, just, just goes on. Forever. Really? Yeah. Have you seen Strangers with Candy? Uh, yes. <laughs> Do you remember like Jerry Blank like closed their eyes and it's like a fucking skeleton and like flames? Yes. And it's like hilarious. But no, that's not my internal. Life. I don't know. I don't really like. I have no idea. I'll have to think of that. Like. Like where I go, probably ancient Egypt. Okay. You know, 
That's my favorite. Or like Mayan, Mayan places. Yeah. Hmm. Or probably the Assyrian. That's like, like, that's my, I don't know if you know that temple. It's an old kingdom structure. It's like all huge rectangular blocks. It's rather beautiful. Is there a... Yeah, either that or Karnak is, is especially okay. gorgeous. Um, so yeah, those are, I guess those are the places that, that I go. Hmm. Okay. Aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Ordered, you know. Yeah. But also kind of mystical and magical sense yeah would you would it be like those places in their prime or those places now like the, the ruins more or less oh like now I mean I could be shishi and think about like all the <laughs> you know the glowing white pyramids and crystals and stuff like that but no 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 now I think they I think they still look elegant you know mm-hmm. time only fears the pyramids <laughs> God, everyone's gonna think I just smoked a, ripped a bong like right now. Um, <laughs> the first person, the first guest that I asked that to, um, what they say, not hell. Yeah. Hers was a like a sci-fi planet that was populated. She like, like I Venus. Oh, it was. There's definitely mountains and forests, and I think like a body of water on her planet. Solaris. <laughs> but hers, like the different, because um, she also, I, I believe, and I have to go back to listen to this to be 100% sure, but um, she's written in like personas or has, has like different voices. Yeah. So those different voices were people on that landscape, which was something gotcha. I never ever, because mine's like, it's just me sometimes, mm-hmm. like wandering around in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea that you could have a landscape that was populated by other, like, possibly other versions of yourself or these other facets mm-hmm. um, that are distinct enough to be something that's, like, separate and a, a unique voice was mind-blowing for me. And that's the reason that I, I wanted to start asking people because, like, yeah. like I, I'm super connected with, with my own, but I, like, I don't know what other people's are like. And that's that's a really... It's intriguing to me to think, um, like, what what influence that's had on their life, if it's something that's influenced them, or it's like if it's a manifestation of some deeper aspect of them, and that's just the like for their for them the internal landscape just manifests as this thing, and in their life that core thing manifests yeah. in like other ways, because like distance and uh, isolation are huge, huge things that have been, that show up in, like, other ways in my life. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was neat for me to kind of, like, track it down. It's like, oh, okay, but, like, sitting at the very core of me is this big old open space that's just grass. Yeah. And hills and maybe a tree or two that's just kind of, like, out there. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I can, I can get down with that. <laughs> Um, there was another thing that I wanted to ask you before we. Ooh. Um. So, the 
Was Caligula's play Caligula's Playhouse your first like chapbook publication? Yes, it's my debut. Okay. Um, what was something like unexpected that you learned throughout the process of of making the book, like working with Ian and, and Mike to make the book? Something I learned. I don't know that I'm really not good at organizing or like organ <laughs> organ blah blah blah, blah, blah. organizing. A manuscript. Like, I had a completely... They had, like, a way different vision about the order of the poems than I did. Mine was, like, a little bit more, like, out there. Okay. And theirs, like, actually made a narrative. Oh. Hmm. Mine was a little bit more airy-fairy, you know. Do you feel like the... Which which one won out? Did the narrative one went out in the... Oh, yeah, because I, like, I, I actually don't care about order. Okay. It's not important to me. People read poetry like they don't read poem one and read through. No, you grab it, you open up, you read whatever. So to me, the order really doesn't matter. So you're you're like a smash and grab reader when it comes. Yeah, to I think everyone is with poetry. No one like sits down and reads it like through. No, you re- you flip through. You like if I see a poem that's longer than like two pages, I'm not reading it. <laughs> like I'm bye. You know, so I, it, order doesn't really matter to me. So. You know. I read poetry collections backwards. Yeah. Like straight through, but starting from the end and working my way forward. Yeah, that's probably it's uh, probably rewarding. I I feel, in my experience, I can see the themes and like the way that it, the organization aspect of it clearer if I'm going backwards. Yeah. I don't know why, but it just it makes more sense that you can mm-hmm. see like. I guess maybe because it's like you start with where things end and then you can track it back yeah. and see how they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go like, I'll probably read it through once, start to finish, just to get acquainted with the poems and then really dive into it backwards to front. Yeah. And then after that, we'll kind of just like take stuff out of like mm-hmm. the poems that I like and just whenever yeah. I go back to it. Yeah, so that was... Yeah, the order, like, I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I also don't really spend time on it, just because I don't, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of whatever about it. If the, next, the next manuscript that you have... To that I'm working on? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is order, like, are you going to think more critically about the order of stuff, or are you still going to be kind of just like... Eh, well, I don't know. I don't know, like, exactly what it's going to turn into at this point. You know, okay. I've only wrote two poems for it so far. I'm working on a third. Um, I don't know where it's going. Um, so I can't, you know, it could have a clear vision with where organization is important, or it couldn't, you know. Is this the collect? Is this the upcoming collection? What you applied for the grant for? Or is it two separate things? Well, yeah, I applied for a grant to like produce, you know, a new chapbook in like a year. Rubies. Yeah, I'm totally fucking jinxed it now. I'm not getting it. I was when you were walking in. I was actually trying to get my um, my application. Yeah, up well, if they're listening. Yeah. Give me fucking money. <laughs> I want it. The um, I think the individual artist awards ended like a week. Yeah, ago. I applied for that too, but like that's a crapshoot for me. Like with my dick poems, like they don't they don't want that. <laughs> They're, like, pretty conservative from what I hear. So, I gave them all my, like, really naughty blasphemous <laughs> poems. So I, like, would, I would love to see you get 
like the maximum. Oh, me too. Me too. I would love it. <laughs> if I do get that, I'm going to like scores or something, you know. Just take the whole entire five G's and just, you know. Yeah. That would be really fun. Poetry money. Which is not. I would just be really bratty and be on Instagram with like a fan of money and just like. <laughs> I'm the richest poet, like this poet life. You don't know nothing about this. I would, I would love to do an Instagram photo of that, but have like, I don't know, a handful of quarters and be like. Yeah, I'm just gonna go at a reading and throw money. (laughs) (laughs) Get one of those money guns and just like, yeah. Um, well, I think I'm just about out of questions. Um. I typically close things out by asking my guests if they have anything they want to ask me about any, like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, what are you working on and what, you know, what's, what's ticking you off? What's making you mad? That's uh, always a fun question. Um, the election is making me mad. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Um, I work at a, I'm, any new listeners... Um, you'll about to, you'll hear where I work. Any old listeners, I'm sorry because I've said this many times. Um, I work at a cabinet shop up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, that's hot. And we, <laughs> it <laughs> was before the AC started happening. Um, but we have NPR on all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the last two weeks, it has been nothing but RNC and DNC coverage. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, and it's. It's been interesting to, to see the things that become like the big stories, but also to get the kind of the, um, responses to like some of the speeches or some of the commentators are like, yeah. these are things that these candidates need to do in order to like, but I don't know, it's like, I don't know. I was talking with one of my friends at work that like if, it feels like the choice is between like two monsters. And yeah, I feel like I would much rather throw in with a monster that is at least kind of aligned with the things that I yeah agree exactly with, as opposed to a monster that like uh, is just a straight up monster. Yeah, I just want to get back to like talking about celebrities and things like that. <laughs> like, you know, um, I feel like I get dragged on Twitter for like talking about you know pop stars when everyone else is tweeting about the election. Yeah. But like, no. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's like, and especially if you if you're inundated with all all that all the time, so you need a break from dealing with yeah, the kind I'm... of like, well, this is depressing, <laughs> and it's just gonna get worse <coughs> for the next what a hundred days. It's just gonna be yeah. terrible. Wake me up. <laughs> um, as far as as what's next, um, I'm also applying for rubies. Um, yeah. I have an idea of. Um, <clears throat> Like a poem cycle involving um, the like the pioneers of space exploration. So like mm-hmm. Yuri Gagarin and yeah. Buzz Aldrin, like wow. the first like first person in space, first person to be like a man, mm-hmm. um, first people on the moon. Um, Are you gonna talk about aliens? I don't know. You I should might. just get into lunar like conspiracies. It's really I, funny. I will see where the research takes me. Yeah. Um, I'm at this point. I'm. I have two poems about Yuri Gagarin that are kind of my like jumping off point of like this is kind of what I would want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I might as like um, 
like epilogues have uh, a poem about Ch- the Wright brothers and a poem about Chuck Yeager. Yeah. Um, and I have a I have a Wright brothers book that I'm going to start reading to get some kind of ideas. But um, I'm also thinking of starting a. Uh, I don't know if this would be like a one-time thing or be like a every couple of years, but doing a project where <coughs> poets and other writers um, write something with their non-dominant hand. Oh wow! Um, and then send me both like the the act like a, a copy of the thing that they wrote out in their handwriting, and then the poem itself or whatever it is that they wrote like in, yeah. a, in a word doc. Um, because I've done this, like, part of the, the UB, uh, our very first class, like, all creator, all the, every uh, first-year student in the creative writing program at UB takes a class called... Um, Creativity? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, which is really, it feels like going back to kindergarten. Yeah, I see, like, I've seen, I've seen people with, like, scissors and glitter and stuff like that. It's wonderful. <laughs> For a certain type of person. Yeah. Other people, it's terrible, but... Um, one of the things I spent, I think, like a day doing everything with my left hand. Yeah. Um, but I wrote some poems, and the poems that I wrote with my left hand were very, very different than the ones that I wrote with my right hand. And I, it was, it's that has always been kind of sitting with me. Yeah. It's like a, this is a, I wonder why this is, and this is a weird experience. So, <coughs> um, I was thinking of opening up to other writers to be like, just like just experiments. Robbie down. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so, thinking. Yeah. I should be, I might will have a table, should, might, hopefully will have a table at the Baltimore Book Fest oh, in yeah. September. Um, I think I'm going to be there. Am I going to be there, Mason Jar? Let me know. Like, tweet me. I'm pointing yeah. at y'all right now through the internet. Uh-huh. Um, Let me know. Book me. Yeah. I'm actually, I would be sharing a table with them. Oh, well, perfect. Then I guess I'll be there. <laughs> I, um, I guess. But I was thinking of having that day as, a, like, the official kickoff and having, like, anybody who wants to come up to the table and do it and do it and have like they can write it out and those will be like the official like the first in-person uh, submissions for it to that have sounds a, fun to give people a reason to like an extra reason to come by and check out yeah the table um, and then charge them because <laughs> handmade chat books aren't cheap yeah they aren't so everyone go buy mine yeah do it <laughs> um yeah, but I think that's that's kind of it right now. I don't. I've applied to a bunch of residencies that I didn't get. Um, I'm sorry about that. Eh. Happens. Yeah. It's, it's in the it's in the life. Yeah. I mean, some of the ones that I was going for were the kind of like. Like crapshoot. Maybe kind of like things. upper echelon ones. That yeah. Were like you can. This is fully funded. You can. Just, you have a house that you can stay at. Well, for yeah, like a it's month. like. You know, it's like submitting to like the New Yorker, you know, or Paris Review. It's like, hmm, just take my money. <laughs> Are those? Do you have to pay to submit to them, or is it open? I think that no, I think they're open. I think they're free. I like as a rule, I just will not submit to a magazine that oh, has like like electronic, and they're like pay two fifty. I'm like no. Like I understand that it funds their their magazine. You know, mm-hmm. but I just hate that. Cause you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's your. If you look at if you look at the percentages of acceptances, it's just not a good investment. Yeah, I'm like losing you, money. You're paying for the opportunity that you 
I'm paying for someone might. to be like, nah. Yeah, I'm you're sorry. paying for a rejection essentially. Yeah, and so the, yeah, that just doesn't go with me. I, I'm not, I'm not down for that, you know. And like contests, like mm. that's again just giving money. But usually for the contests, they'll like send you issues or something. Thing, you know, you get something. Yeah. But I mean, you are setting yourself up for failure. Like here's fifteen. How do you? Would you be more like? How do you feel about contests versus just regular submissions? Like, is there? I don't know. I'm not really a contest person. I submit poems when I'm done, like, writing them, so... I mean, if there's a contest and, and the judge is someone who I like, mm. then I'll send, you know? Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, it's not... I'm not really... It's not my thing. You know? I'd just rather submit. Drop those things. I mean, well, submitting anyway is a contest in itself. So, right, yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if the contest really rocks my world, <laughs> then I'll, then I'll have a go at it. Or if it's free, yeah. Yeah. Um, on residencies, I have a Google Doc full of, like, just all the ones that I found. If you want me to share it with oh, you. Oh yeah. That would be good. I've never done that. and. Some of them, they kind of run the gamut of like, some are, like the one, I applied to one in uh, Taos in Mexico that was like, all the only money you have to spend is just getting yourself there. You have a like private- Taos, Like where the Taos hymn is? You know about that? Uh, it's like a low frequency hum. Oh. That's like in Maybe. the area. Yeah. It drives people crazy. Well, some people. Yeah. Is that harps doing? What? Is that harps doing? Oh, some people think so. You know. Yeah. Thought of writing a poem about it. Do it. Yeah. But when you... Like, if it ever winds up in a book... Well, I'll just reference that. Well, get, know. like... If it, if it ends up in a manuscript somewhere, get one of those, like, electronic greeting card things so when oh, people return yeah, that page, you just hums. That'd be cute. I like that idea. Well, I'll make a music video for it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be on Vivo. <laughs> um, yeah, but that one was like, you get a you get like a private residence. You get all of your meals included. Oh, really? Um, other ones are like, yeah, we just you can stay here, but all of your materials and all of your food you have to pay for yourself. Some of them yeah. are like. It's like four months other ones are like yeah you need to be out by like three weeks yeah so they're kind of like it just kind of depends there's a, a shit ton of them that I found in um, national parks like really? a lot of national parks have writer have artists in residency programs and more and more of them are being opened up to writers yeah I want to do that Amtrak one yeah. I like I love a train yeah are they still is that like live or not live? I but think so. I don't know. I haven't really looked it up. <laughs> I think it exists though. I mean, you don't really need it. You can just, <laughs> you just do it. You just go on a train. Take I, the train to Chicago. I am tracked from Baltimore to New Orleans like five years ago. How was that? How long is that? 
28 hours. Sweet, I want to do that. I love it. I would suggest getting a sleeper car. Oh yeah, totally. I love like if I was hit the lotto, I would only travel and like lavish train like excursions. You could buy your with the own... outfits and all the luggage. You like could, you could do what they used to do and have your own car that's just attached to the end of the train. Oh yeah, I, I want to do that. Yeah, the train is so exciting. Yeah. I like it, and you can drink on it. You know, it's great. Yeah. yeah if I, my preferred uh, modes of transportation are car at the top, then train, and then flight. Oh, I like a train because I like a train or an airplane because you don't have to do anything. Mm. Mm. I like, I like the freedom of. And like the autonomies of driving in a car and you could like stop and do whatever yeah that's true um but i like trains because i'm i don't have to deal with all like the crazy pressure changes of flying yeah just having to but most of the time just having to just sit there so i don't feel nauseous mm-hmm. it's true and like the crazy tsa oh yeah <laughs> that's awful <laughs> Supposedly they're getting better in some places, but I don't know where. I'm not sure about that. And I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, and on that note, um, I think that about wraps it up for episode 14. Um, thank you, Stephen, for yeah, sitting down and talking to me. I had a great time. I had a um, blast. Uh, this was recorded on a Saturday, the 30th. It should be up tomorrow. Not that it would really matter to anybody listening to it in future times um the time travelers yes by train none of that mm-hmm. other fan none of the other more <laughs> lavish ways of travel um i'm i might do an addendum to this episode and talk about some future plans for stuff but if i do that'll be later um the next guest will hopefully be a haiku poet um, named alexis rotella um if not her then i will talk to somebody else um So I will talk to you all again in like a month or so. Thank you for listening. And if it's not gross outside, go outside and have fun. Go read some sexy hot poems. Arigato gozaimasu. Hi.